This is the WHL This Week Radio Edition, presented by the Western Hockey League. Here's your host, John Keane. Hey, welcome to the show, our final one of 2022, and we have a lot to get into here. Coming up in moments, a chat with Canada's World Junior Head Coach, Dennis Williams of the Everett Silvertips. He has a star-laden team filled with WHL talent as they prepare for the rest of the tournament. That's up in moments here. The Saskatoon Blades have been surprising this season, but not in the eyes of General Manager Colin Priester. He'll join us to discuss the year and what he's working on for the WHL trade deadline in less than two weeks. And what a night for WHL linesman twins Cody and Chad Hughesby. Called into NHL duty this past week on short notice at Edmonton. Cody will join us. He'll take us back to what was a hectic day and night. First up. Hey, head coach of Canada's World Junior Team, Dennis Williams, on the line from Halifax ahead of the uh, New Year's Eve matchup against Sweden. Uh, Dennis, first of all, thanks for joining us. And uh, second of all, looks like things are are back on track after that tournament opening loss to Czechia. Well, I definitely think we've we've played much better here the last few games, and and more so just managing pucks. I think our first game there against Czechia, we came out, we had a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. We got up one nothing. Uh, score that second one that was uh, called offside, brought the guys down a little bit, and and then from there we got into some discipline, some discipline problems, and we know we couldn't, we uh, just started chasing the game. So I liked our response since then. We've been all business, all focus, and uh, obviously we have the biggest challenge coming uh, tomorrow against Sweden. You know, when you, uh, you suffered the loss to open things up, it gave you an opportunity to shake up your lines and, and make some changes. Uh, you get, you know, Stan Coven and Bedard together, two WHLers, and you know, it seemed to, you know, spark everything offensively and really settle down the play of your, of your squad. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of chemistry that over the last two games with, with both those guys and um, Wall in that line as well um, from Sherbrooke. So it's, it's good to see those guys you know, get, get moving, get playing together, uh, get some creativity, some continuity uh, from it. And uh, obviously five on five, they've done a great job in terms of offensively of uh, leading the way. You know, it's great that you can look down your bench and, and see all this WHL talent, you know, the uh, all WHL line. It's more of a foursome with Doc, Schaefer, Bankier, and Ostopchuk here. You look on your, your back end, you're anchored there by, by Zellweger, who you know very well, and in goal, Thomas Millich. So there has to be a comfortability factor here with you behind this Canadian bench. Well, it definitely pays to know quite quite a few of these guys. And over the last two, three years, we've got to coach them, know their tendencies, know their strengths. Um, I've been really fortunate to coach a lot of them at the summer event and whether it's at the uh, Halinka and so forth uh, throughout Hockey Canada. It's getting to know these players and, and, and all our guys you know, from the Western Hockey League have done a great job thus far. And, um, right, for me, right, right on through, as you said, that, uh, that line with, with uh, Zach Ostopchuk and, and um, Doc and Bankier and Schaefer, like those guys have just been really strong, hard on pucks, hard to play against physical. So we've really brought a good identity of how we want to play, and those guys are really doing a great job with it. You know, in the WHL, you know, you need your four lines, but, you know, when you have an event like this, it's a TV game, there's the TV timeouts. Uh, it, it's almost probably tough to get all four lines involved. Are, are you finding that right now? It looks at times, you know, it's tough to get all 13 forwards going. Definitely hard with a 13 and 7. <clears throat> Much different than the Western Hockey League um, in regards to that extra player. So that's always a difficult thing at times. But the one thing we've been able to do is uh, balance out our special teams. So our guys that have been on the power play, the other guys have been on the penalty kill. And obviously, 
that first game, we had a five-minute major and we had seven or eight minors or seven or eight penalties total. That was really tough for a lot of our, our uh, offensive guys because we weren't getting the power plays. So them sitting there for a while does take a toll on them with the amount of timeouts as, as well. But really throughout the first three games, we've been rolling our lines as much as we can, five on five, and spot shifting that 13th and 7th forward in there uh, just like you would be playing on a top 12. Now, Dennis, this uh, New Year's game, uh, New Year's Eve game, is always a, a great tradition for Team Canada. Uh, you, you always see, you know, a, a marquee matchup here. This has to be a really exciting game ahead uh, against Sweden uh, in Halifax. Yeah, re- really good test for our group. Um, obviously, it's a tight, tight division over here in pool and in, in, in our pool and our bracket. Same on the other side, you know. Often, and I think what we've seen this year is the. Um, the great parity among all the countries. You know, you're seeing a lot of teams. I wouldn't say every game's an upset anymore. You know, where maybe it used to be 20 years ago. Uh, we've we've gone to all the other games here. You know, in, in Halifax during the day and watch it, and watch Sweden and Czechia yesterday. They went into overtime. You know, and same thing from 15 years ago. Sweden probably would have won that game by a handful. You know, off it. But now teams and countries are 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 playing a much different game, much more structured game. Uh, great skill set coming out of their countries. And so for us, for uh, the New Year's Eve game, it's going to be exciting. It really gives us a benchmark or a last really uh, opportunity to work as a group before we get into the quarters. You know, Dennis, this event is always a big one, and, and the summertime, it, it just wasn't the same, right? And it wasn't the same attention or, or in the building and maybe the atmosphere, but it, it looks like it's returned in Halifax and Moncton. How big is this spotlight? It, it can be challenging for uh, the entire team, for players, but from what you've seen so far, uh, what's the stage like uh, over there at World Juniors? Well, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. First of all, the support from the community, uh, the fan base, uh, right on through since we got here. You know, whether it was our, our youth sport games in Moncton uh, and then going over to uh, St. Andrews by the Sea and St. Stephen's for practice and seeing the amount of kids that have come out and watch practice. And it's been, you know, a, like an experience like, like I've never had. And like you mentioned, the summer one just wasn't the same being in, in August there. Uh, it was still a great uh, final game. The fans and the atmosphere was great, but it was probably hard on the atmosphere in terms of what it's like right now. Because if, if you're out here, everywhere you walk is Canada right now. You know, when you're walking through downtown Halifax to the Rankin. So there's a lot of hype. Uh, there's also for our players, and what we said, there's a lot of noise. So we have to do a good job shielding them of of that and, and, and not getting caught up in, in all the media talk about it and just focus on playing. You know, uh, and finally, it's a situation where you have your club team back where you wear two hats as a coach and general manager for the Silver Tips. And we all know uh, how an important year it is right now with the trade deadline approaching here in less than two weeks. So how have you been able to manage, you know, these roles? I mean, this is a, a prestigious head coaching role, but it's a busy time in the Western League as well right now. Yeah, great, great support. Um, Mike Fraser, assistant GM, has been fantastic. Um, he's handling... 99.9% of the administrative side, the general manager side for, for our club right now. And then obviously David Strusian and Dean De Silva on the bench have, have done a, a really good job taking over the reins. I try not to get too, too involved. I watch every game from afar. You know, I don't text them or email them or give them anything. I let them do, do their job. We hired them for, for this type of um, uh, a, a situation, knowing that, you know, they can very well do a great job for us. So, they definitely have 110% trust in myself and our organization and what they're doing. So very, very fortunate to be surrounded by great people. 
Good stuff, Dennis. Uh, appreciate you doing this in the middle of the tournament. I know it's often difficult to uh, find the time uh, in between games here, so uh, appreciate this, and, and we are uh, watching and paying attention, and good luck the rest of the way uh, as head coach of Team Canada. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have yourself a happy new year. Thank you. You're listening to the WHL This Week, Radio Edition. The Saskatoon Blades are right in the mix after the Christmas break. For some, that might be surprising, but not for general manager Colin Priestner. Les Lazarek has more from Blade City. The team is 23 wins and 5 losses through 28 games, which is the best record through 28 games ever in the history of the Saskatoon Blades, which is something when you consider this is year 59 of its existence. Colin, 23-5. and five. If somebody had told you that would be the case after 28 games prior to the season starting, what would you have said? Well, I was a little more optimistic than I, I, I seem to hear everybody around the league just always saying, like, the shocking kind of blades or, like, the surprising blades. And I was like, you know, we were really good last year and we had a very young team. Like, almost every team right now we're playing and we're uh, with us, it's like 18 or 18 and a half years old every game. We, we were 17.2 or 17.3 a lot and we won a lot of games. So... I'm not shocked. Like I, I, I certainly am. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I thought we'd be really good. I didn't think we would maybe be uh, uh, as dominant as we've been with these kind of 25 goals in the last three games, bef- you know, before today and, and things like that. Where uh, in the winning streaks, having multiple streaks of five games and, and above, and, and the consistency we've had has been outstanding. So I, I've, I'm, I'm certainly pleasantly surprised but I didn't have us as like a middle of the pack team going in I don't think anyone internally did we all thought we were going to be really good talking about hanging a banner internally is something we've talked about all year from before the season so um, it's better than than we thought just because it's it's super hard to sustain the 82 percent or whatever winning percentage and certainly I don't think that'll sustain all year once we get some uh, you know we have some really tough teams coming up after the break especially with uh, missing three of our top forwards right now so uh, but but to give us this cushion that we've had has been outstanding, and and I don't really put anything past this group to continue the streak as long as, as they can they can do it. The skaters, I don't think there's any doubt. You had really good skaters. Everybody was wondering about the goaltending. Nolan Meyer was the all-time Western Hockey League leader, career leader in victories after last season. You're coming in with a couple of 18-year-olds, basically untested in the league, and Ethan Chadwick and Austin Elliott. And they've been phenomenal for you through the first 28 games. Yeah, like it's it certainly was uh, everybody w- wondered about Meyer and, and that was the biggest question we had going into the year is who was going to fill those boots. But I mean, we've literally rotated every single game. We have not deviated once. It's been one guy, then the next, then the next, and they just alternate every single game. And and it's... it's uh, kind of revolutionary in hockey. I don't know if I've ever seen a team do that before where they don't give a guy even two games in a row, but it's been outstanding for us. The, the guys know what to expect. They they always have gas in the tank. Uh, they, they're competitive, but friendly, very, very tight with each other. Uh, Jeff Harvey's done a great job working with them. And, you know, Elliot, uh, you know, until the third period the other night probably is only blemish in the first half really for him, which was, you know, like playing at a 1.6 goals against average through 15 games in a 9.35. Like, that's insane. Uh, unbelievable numbers. And Chatty's been, uh, you know, almost exactly as good. It's just been uh, incredible to have two young guys that push each other every day. And then I, I, I plan on, I, I think we, we continue the platoon of one after the other. And, and I wouldn't even be opposed to doing it in the playoffs. I don't think, you know, convention says you have to name your starter in the playoffs. Like, why not have a fresh goalie? It's like baseball does it where they're 
they they rest their guys for the right day. They don't overtax them. And, you know, if one guy's clearly separated over the other, clearly we would do that. But right now, if we have ultra high faith in both guys. It begs the question, what do you do before now, between now and January the 10th in order to see, do you want to go after it? Do you need to go after it? Do you need to make moves? Do you like the team you have? Is it good enough to go and be competitive and maybe get a Western Hockey League championship and a trip to the Memorial Cup? Well, certainly I think our players and our coaches have, have put themselves in the position where we have to look seriously at any anything. Uh, if you're asking me if we're going to add three or four guys that, you know, giving multiple first rounders for each guy and, and, and torpedo the future of the franchise. I'm never going to do that no matter what, uh, no matter what our record is. Um, I'm also very cognizant of the tightness within our group and, and we have zero problem uh, players, like no attitudes like that. And it's very rare to not have at least a couple. Uh, we've got an active roster. I can honestly say I'm not, I don't want to move a single guy out. Usually there's three or four guys that are lower performing or mm-hmm. have an attitude or they don't want to be here. You don't want the coach and them are feuding or whatever. It's easy to kind of shuffle your bottom three or four guys out or even better players that maybe have attitude issues or whatever it is or don't fit in. But this year it's it's totally not like that. So anyone that we bring in, we're going to A, have to have space for, which doesn't seem to be a problem with the injuries we've had right now with our three key forwards being out you know, long, fairly long-term for at least two of them and, and mid-term for, for Pillar. Um, it's put us in a unique position that we want to add, but uh, we also need to be aware that we can't have 17 forwards here if the three other guys come back in, mm-hmm. in March and they're all back and ready to go uh, before the playoffs, and then you've got four or five healthy scratches up front tonight. It doesn't work. So we have to, uh, you know, it'll, we'll have to get creative here as to what we do to fill the gaps. Right now we're probably at that we're at the point of demarcation I would call it as uh, if we had any other major injuries or something you know maybe we'd get a little more aggressive on a depth player if we needed one but right now we're happy to give the minutes to the younger guys Um, if everyone's asking if we're going to go out and land a big fish well I'd say there's two parts to that one is that um, you know Brad Lambert, who we traded his rights to Seattle. We got a first and a second round pick, first this year, second next year, which are big pieces. Uh, if he reports, he's going to the World Juniors. Um, you know, he, he hasn't had a, a very productive first half in terms of points in the A, so there's a, there's a chance, like a 50-50 chance, I'd say that he goes to Seattle, and all of a sudden I've got now two first rounders in this year's draft, two seconds next year, our own first next year. We've got all those picks, so I can be way more aggressive if I have those. We won't really know about that probably till early January, I'd say, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that being said, if, if Lambert doesn't go there and we don't get those first, we still have, I'm not opposed to moving first round pick. I'm not opposed to moving second round picks. I'm not opposed to moving, you know, those kind of things. That being said, it has to be the right personality. It has to be a, a game changing type player to use those assets. Um, and, and I'm in those conversations. There's not a lot of sellers. Um, there's eight teams in the other side where there's pretty clearly eight out of 10 are going to make the playoffs and two are way, way behind. So you don't have a ton of sellers. Uh, and our conference, uh, same thing, like every team, but maybe Edmonton right now thinks they're going to make the playoffs. So you're not having a ton of teams so far shopping their older guys. So um, I'm going to be in on any, anything I can within reason of, if, if you're asking if I'm going to trade three firsts for a player or something, probably not. Uh, if we get the Lambert picks, then yeah, certainly I'll be a little more aggressive. Uh, uh, we were really aggressive on a on a player earlier this week before the deadline, uh, and uh, a player that's not currently playing in the league. And, and we were, you know, I'd say it's actively ongoing. It's not something that's dead, but it's not as close as we thought it was. So we'll keep working on that. Uh, but I'll, I'll 
I'll say uh, we will give ourselves the best opportunity we can to win. That being said, we believe in the group we have. Like, we don't need to make a bunch of changes here. If we had an impact guy, like, Pillar's going to be a big impact when he comes back. Uh, Weens is going to hopefully be back uh, before the playoffs. Uh, that's our hope. But it's hard to replace a third-line center who's one of the best in the league at it. So you don't just go out and pay a second rounder and go get that guy uh, and expect they're going to be a good guy that fits in, has a great attitude and plays our style. Like it's just not going to happen probably. So the younger guys are going to have to step up and, and par being out for potentially a couple months here is going to be tough as well to fill, but that's where the depth has come in handy, where we've got our own homegrown guys that are, that are stepping up. The Kellers of the world um, are, are playing well. Hanson, those type of guys, Volotovsky's and, and Calvert's. Those are the guys that Redmond's been a lot better lately. Those types of guys are going to play more. From the drop of the puck to the Ed Chenault Cup, this is the WHL This Week Radio Edition. Pretty cool experience for a pair of WHL linesmen that just happen to be twin brothers who base out of Red Deer, Alberta. We're talking about Cody and Chad Hughesby, who at the age of 37 made their NHL debut this past week, uh, working the lines for an NHL game for the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks. And Cody joins us on the line here from Red Deer. Cody, thanks for sharing your story with WHL this week. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's talk about how this came to be. I mean, in in the in the era of flight delays and weather problems and cancellations, you get the opportunity along with your brother Chad to uh, get the call for an NHL game. But I'll let you tell the story, Cody, about how it came to be. Yeah, so it all uh, just kind of well, it really just came out of the blue. Um, just on the twenty third, just a, you know, a normal day. I was in work. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a teacher in Red Deer, so I was in there. A little early, we were cooking some uh, breakfast for the for the ladies on staff, and my phone rang, and um, it was Brad Meyer from uh, who's who's with our league, but just uh, recently got hired on as a supervisor with the NHL two former NHL official. Um, he called, and uh, yeah, just kind of asked how things were going, and asked if I was able to uh, come up to Edmonton to work the to work the Oilers game. So, and then everything kind of got uh, set in motion from there, and uh, just. You know, started what ended up being a, obviously an amazing day, but a, a quite a hectic day as well. So yeah, like this isn't you know it's funny like this is still work. This isn't fantasy camp. Like you still have to go and do your job here. So uh, probably helped to have your brother with you here. But what was it like leading up to the night? Yeah, it was uh, it was just you know honestly just surreal. the The whole day was kind of a blur to be honest. Um, you know, just whether it was you know going on a couple facetimes with with the, the NHL bosses and then. You know, once the rumor kind of got out that we were working the game, then your phone starts to blow up, and you're, and you know, you're sending text messages back and forth, and you know, you're contacting. You know, obviously got a hold of my wife, and um, she was super happy for for me, and you know, then we're trying to work out, you know, um, with them coming to the game and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was probably you know made even a little bit more uh, crazy just the fact that it was you know the 23rd of December, which is usually a pretty busy time of year anyway. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was obviously, I mean, that much more special anytime that I get to work with Chad, it's, it's awesome. Um, but to get to, uh, experience this with him and, and I think if anything, that just probably put both of us, uh, you know, even, you know, brought, brought that much more comfort to, to the game and what we were trying to do out there for sure. And another maybe comforting fact was the fact that one of the referees was a former WHL referee and player, Chris Schlenker. So you had a chance to work with him with with an NHL game and an NHL venue. That must have helped too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
uh, Shanks is an awesome guy. Um, you, you don't once he got hired in the NHL, you know, you don't really think that you're going to get another shot to work with him again. So that was kind of neat getting that opportunity to uh, to go out there and work with him again. Um, he he he, you know, was awesome. He made us feel you know like we belonged, and he you know kind of you know just even the pregame chats and stuff like that. He uh, he was you know super supportive that way and. You know, it was a, I couldn't have asked, you know, for a better guy to, to go out there with, for sure. You know, taking nothing away from WHL talent, but all of a sudden, you know, you're working the lines for Connor McDavid blowing in and uh, Elias Pettersson, and, uh, you know, that's that's probably pretty exciting. Uh, but also, sometimes, you know, word can kind of trickle down to the players or the coaches that it's your first NHL game. Was there any chatter between the benches on the ice there? Yeah, they were, you know, those guys are such pros, right? I think, um, you know, a few of them, came up to us before the game and you know gave us a little you know tap on the shins or whatever else um dave manson we we worked the worked the lines you know quite a bit when he was in pa um so you know he uh he shook my hand before the game and congratulated me so you know it's just stuff like that that uh you know means a lot and um you know i think those guys like i said they're professionals and and they, and they understand you know how much how much time guys put in and you know how hard it is to to climb the ranks and, you know, get a shot like that. So it was I'm, pretty cool. Yeah, you know, the venue being also WHL rink uh, in Edmonton must have helped as well. But, you know, you mentioned you're a teacher. So did word get down to your students here? Or, you know, did you did you know if any of those, you know, maybe your students were paying attention to that night? Yeah, for sure. Um, right off the bat, after I got off the phone with, with Brad, um, you know, I just kind of t- mentioned it to my principal, you know, obviously, it was still very premature at that point, but I said, you know, this is what that phone call was just about, and who knows if this is going to actually happen. So he was super, super excited for, for me. And then uh, once we got the final confirmation that, you know, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and stuff, then um, I let him know, and he went over there on the intercom and announced it to, to the whole school. And, you know, the kids and all the teachers were, were definitely super, uh, super excited and and I think probably most of them tuned in uh, to watch that night as well. So pretty it's cool. A, yeah, you know, it's a little bit comparable to like you know the emergency backup goaltender situation, like the e bug situation. But then again, it's not because you know you've been doing this for you know twenty five years. You started in a small town and worked your way up the ranks, and you've done you know AHL hockey already in Calgary with the Wranglers. Uh, so yep. you know this is just a natural progression. So it must have felt that way as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, yeah, it definitely. Um, I think, you know, I, I think Chad and I definitely feel like, you know, that we're probably, you know, definitely capable of going out there and, and doing a good job. Um, so, I, you know, in, in, that, in that, that aspect, it was, you know, there was a certain level of, of you know, comfort there and, and just knowing that, you know, we could go out there and, and handle things and whatever else. But, you know, it, was, it, it definitely, you know, the lights were a bit brighter and, and uh, you know, there was definitely part of that too that was, uh, you know, made it a little bit more interesting. You know, I probably should have done my homework and checked that box score between the Oilers and the uh, and the Canucks that night to see if there was any uh, scraps he had to get in between here, so maybe you can fill me in. Yeah, no, it was actually, I think it was one of those, um, you know, even from just watching over the years, I think it was definitely uh, one of those December 23rd games where uh, <laughs> the players were definitely looking forward to getting onto the, onto the charter after the game. There wasn't much in the in the way of rust up. I don't even know if we broke up one scrum. So, yeah, um, it was, 
you know, they were playing hard, playing fast, but there wasn't much uh, extracurricular stuff, which, All right. which was okay. Yeah, I, I just check it now as I'm looking up to you. There was five minor penalties. It looked like one of those no-hitters, and you were in and out like that. So there you go. So uh, great stuff. Hey, it's, it's great to catch up with you, Cody. And I guess duty calls you back on the lines here with the Rebels game here uh, coming up in the next couple of nights, too. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, and, uh, appreciate the time. All right, it's Cody and Chad Hughesby, the twin brothers from Red Deer, are working an NHL game on December twenty-third. Hey, that's the show. Big thanks to our guests and as well Les Lazarick in Saskatoon for his help. I'm John Keen. Thanks for listening.